Welcome back to Transform, a podcast highlighting the people and ideas shaping the future of senior living. I'm Austin Montgomery for Senior Housing News. On today's episode, I spoke with LaSalle Village President Zara Abid Wood. LaSalle Village is a university-based senior living community in the Boston area. The community is home to over 200 residents through a continuum of care and is focused on lifelong learning and wellness, offering residents unique opportunities to participate in classes and tailored programming incorporated into the very fabric of the university. Abid Wood joined LaSalle Village in February of last year with leadership and staff working to expand resident opportunities to foster intergenerational connections and inspire new passions for older adults. The community is also gearing up for a sweeping renovation project to further enhance its offerings. Before we dive in to the podcast episode, join the Senior Housing News team in person next month in sunny Tampa Bay, Florida for the upcoming Sales Summit. For more information on the event, visit SeniorHousingNews.com slash events. You know, our goal is to be really inclusive, not just of residents and students, but also of our staff members, of our employees. And how do we cross those intergenerational boundaries across all of these different stakeholder groups? Now, here's my interview with LaSalle Village President Zara Abid-Wood. Thank you so much for joining us here on Transform. We're excited to have you. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks, Austin. Yeah, of course. And I know there's a lot of excitement around intergenerational living and university-based senior living right now. So it's a really opportune time to talk about this community and LaSalle Village. So would you want to maybe provide us with a summary of the community and what any updates, if any, might be new that we could could learn about? Absolutely. So we are a CCRC in the Newton area and what in Massachusetts. And what we offer residents is really a unique living and learning opportunity on the campus of LaSalle University. Our residents are required to take 450 hours of continuing education or engagement, either through classes at the village or classes at the university, And these can be educational, these can be fitness, cultural activities. We really believe that ongoing cognitive and physical engagement um, are what allows residents to thrive. Uh, We were formed, um, I believe, uh, it was an inception about 30 years ago. Uh, The university had a piece of land that they wanted to monetize, and they really created a revenue generating and an educational opportunity that was very new to the industry then and remains fairly new to the industry now. And, you know, 30 years later, we've come full circle. Um, The president of the university, who is the one who actually founded the village, is one of our residents now. Wow, that's so interesting, especially being able to to have that that story and and to be able to to see that really come full circle, like you said. Um, That's really has to be exciting for for you and your team. And obviously, um, in your new role, um, I think you've, you've probably settled in quite well, so we'll get to that in a little bit. But um, just in your experience, how do you think intergenerational and university-based senior living can help improve the lives of older adults? So at its most basic, it puts older adults in contact with younger generations. It is such an oddity of history that these two age groups find themselves so segregated um, you know, by age it's not always the best thing for physical or mental health. So bringing them together really does benefit both groups. For most adults, the only experiences we've really had living in community were in early adulthood, whether it's college or the military or having roommates. 
And it can be overwhelming to think about moving into a senior living community. And thinking about it like college living can really help reframe it, in not only in familiar terms, but also shift from thinking about decreasing the size of your world to increasing opportunity and choice. You know, based on our community, and we service uh, older adults ranging in age from currently from 65 to 102, what I believe and what we believe is that lifelong learning really does lead to a richer and more fulfilling life, and in many cases, a longer and healthier life. Um, you know, at, at its most simple, university-based living gives access to resources, whether it's larger libraries, classroom-based learning, faculty expertise in areas that meet with residents' passions. No matter what, no matter how you slice it, no matter what your interests are, it will give you added opportunities. Most definitely. And I think we're, we're seeing some of those benefits play out. I know that there has been some, some research done into university-based senior living and just the benefits there and also uh, the benefits of congregate living as well uh, that we're starting to really see on some longitudinal studies. So really interesting to see that there's actually some scientific uh, data behind it to really show the benefit of having these unique types of communities. And just when you're thinking about university-based senior living in 2024, what factors are you watching most closely? What things are you paying attention to? So for the last several years, you know, COVID has been such a limiting factor for intergenerational living. I really believe that this is the year that we're going to move beyond COVID, finally. Um, even though we haven't left it behind, um, I think the industry has decided to move on. Our model at LaSalle is different uh, than other intergenerational models in that we're very much focused on intergenerational experiences rather than intergenerational living. Now, personally, I'm curious to see how the models that really have older and younger adults living in the same buildings, how those models evolve and thrive and gain traction. On our end, I'm pretty confident that neither our students nor our residents would be interested in a shared living model. So I really expect the model to sort of bifurcate based on choices that, that developers or operators make around that. On our end, we've really uh, spent a lot of time uh, evolving how we craft shared experiences with a really respectful delineation of space. Um, you know, our goal is to be really inclusive, not just of residents and students, but also of our staff members, of our employees. And how do we cross those intergenerational boundaries across all of these different stakeholder groups but we also remain uh, in a place where we are honoring autonomy and choice for people that don't want that intergenerational experience. We're always reviewing and fine-tuning our model. We have a dean of education um, who's always focused on identifying areas that might spark interest not just in our residents, but also in college students. We also partner very closely with the university's center on aging and intergenerational studies um, to find shared areas and shared opportunities. Um, that we can move forward. We have residents that are serving as uh, jurors on mock trials um, in criminal law classes. We have students attending fashion shows that are, uh, you know, residents attending fashion shows that are put on by students. We have students and residents putting on senior prom every year with graduating students. So we're always looking to spark creativity in different ways. But one gift that COVID did give us that I continue seeing evolve is really the gift of technology and ease with technology for our resident base. Um, recently, we began piloting this intergenerational mentoring program where LaSalle undergraduates and village residents are coming together to tutor elementary school students in how to read via Zoom. 
So you have our older adults, not just teaching a struggling student how to read, but they're also learning about technology from the college student. And so it really is, in my mind, where I see intergenerational living and intergenerational experiences evolving is really around this 360-degree approach where there's a synergy to how people are benefiting and both learning and teaching um, rather than a one-way street. Yeah, and it, it seems like there's a really an emphasis on bringing things full circle and really making sure that the full spectrum of resident uh, life and wellness is really thought about within the community. Do you want to just maybe talk about what ways that, in maybe in your opinion, how LaSalle Village might benefit residents compared to a typical standalone senior living community? Because I think some people might not really understand the, the differences um, and, and all the benefits. I mean, obviously, you explained some of those in, in the programming and, and in all the lifestyle opportunities for residents. But just in your mind, how does, how does LaSalle Village kind of differentiate itself from a typical community? Absolutely. This is my favorite question. And I might be a little biased in my answer uh, because I truly believe that LaSalle Village provides an incomparable experience. Um, I have had residents tell me that their hardest adjustment when they moved into senior living was that they were suddenly surrounded by all these old people. And so senior living communities can be really isolating and insular. What we really offer our residents is this shared journey of lifelong learning and experiences not just amongst villagers, but with the campus as a whole. Now, our residents are really different in how they approach the university and their opportunities at the university. We have residents that jump right in. They attend lectures and basketball games. They mentor students. They build relationships. They get really integrated into university life. We have other residents that aren't as actively engaged. But even for these people, the connection matters. It makes a difference to their day-to-day -day life. For example, we have residents that are really excited uh, to congratulate our student workers in the dining room. Our, our dining room is fully staffed by undergraduates. They, they congratulate them when they graduate. They have from staff members whose children are studying at the university. So all our staff members get, you know, as a, as a benefit, they're able to receive free, free tuition at the university. We have residents that are taking classes. We have residents that are teaching classes. We have residents serving in university student government. We have two residents that serve full-time on the SGA for the university. We also have 15 advisory committees that are set up by villagers. I call it our shadow government, um, affectionately. Um, they, they are very active in all aspects of village uh, management. Um, they also tutor our staff members in English as a second language. So we have this sort of synergy and these opportunities to give back and live a life of purpose each and every day, not just with students, but with staff as well. And I know that many communities have many of these aspects, but I really believe that we provide an environment where our residents can thrive. Um, you know, they find joy, not just in learning, but in exploration, in discovery and in play as well. Uh, we, we make them feel special and important. Um, they feel heard and seen. We truly believe that they have brilliant minds, that they have a lot to say. They want to remain relevant in the world. They want to shape the world. They've been shaping the world. They want to continue doing that. And they want to have conversations about everything that's important. You know, we have a longtime resident here, and he always tells newcomers that they'll be able to chart their own course at LaSalle. And I truly believe that that's the kind of person that is attracted to this place. I have one story that, that really comes to mind when I think about why people choose LaSalle and what's really special about the experience. 
um, a resident who moved in shortly after I started as president was telling me how she'd looked at all the other CCRCs in the Boston area and ultimately ended up choosing LaSalle because she did not want to dress for dinner. Instead, what she wanted out of life was when she shook hands with people, she wanted to see dirt under their fingernails because they'd been out digging in their flower bed. And that, to me, in a nutshell, really epitomizes the value proposition of LaSalle. It's, it's like-minded people that are living life. You know, we have people, as I mentioned, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 100s. Uh, we have many people who are still working. Um, our average age is in the mid-80s. Our average age at entry is about 79 or 80. And so we do, you know, while we're still very much senior living, we do attract a younger, more active resident. And with that, being able to attract younger residents, has that been a priority, do you think, as of late? I know, obviously, you just joined last year or within mm-hmm. the last year, um, last 18 months. But do you think that, because I think other operators are thinking about length of stay, are you thinking about that at all in terms of just, or is that just uh, just a, a factor of uh, kind of a culmination of the lifestyle programming that's available? Or do you think about length of stay at all? We don't think about length of stay. Uh, I mean, we, we think about it constantly. It's a metric that we measure, but it's not something yeah. that we look at. Uh, you know, we, we uh, are not actively targeting younger, older adults. We're very lucky to have the demographic that we do. Uh, we currently have 182 apartments with 300 households on our wait list. And so we really are working with the people that have expressed interest in the village, working with them to make sure that it is a true marriage, um, that their interests and their passions coincide with our culture. For us, the really important aspect in targeting uh, future residents is a cultural fit. And we have Great. residents that are very actively involved in that as well. That's really great to hear. And I know just for yourself personally, you've had quite the leadership background before you joined LaSalle Village. How do you reflect on your time in your new role with, with LaSalle? Are there, there are things that you brought with you along your journey that you think have helped you excel in your, your position? Sure. So my gateway to senior living was through technology, which is not a very traditional route. Um, I'd worked a lot in higher ed, also through the lens of technology, and I'd also worked in healthcare, real estate, and hospitality. But I fell in love with senior living right off the bat the first time I entered a senior living community back in 2010. If I had to pick two words to describe myself, they would be connection and innovation. You know, I truly believe that the highest and best use of my time is to help build connections, whether it's between team members and residents staff and, uh, and students, uh, whether it's with the broader community. And on the other hand, innovation and transformation have always been my fuel. And you know, I thrive on leading organizations through change. I did that at MIT and I did that at Alaris Life. LaSalle Village is truly a place that blends both of these passions for me. And it challenges me in a completely different way than in any other role I've had. You know, I also sit on the university senior management team in my role. And so that really brings my higher education uh, background into play. I love that daily collaboration. You know, whether I'm talking to a professor at the university, whether I'm dealing with residents in the dining room or chatting with a staff member, I feel like every day brings new learnings. Um, You know, for me personally, the biggest shift has been in perspective. Sitting at the corporate office in a multi-unit world and defining brilliant strategy is very different than trying to form strategy while you're also the boots on the ground. And the incredible level of resident engagement we have keeps me humble and grounded because there is this instant feedback loop 
anytime I have a really bright idea and I roll it out, um, I'm reminded of what, how it, you know, what the actual implementation and oper operationalization of something entails. And so it's great experience from that perspective. You know, that's really interesting to hear you say that because I think we've heard in some recent years, especially po um, post 2020, that there have been uh, some at some operations level, some disconnect between operations and the corporate level. So it sounds like you're able to really kind of be at both straddle both levels and to really bring some synergy there. Um, do you agree with that of being able to, you, it seems like you're really able to, to do the best, have the best of both worlds in what you're trying to do in your administrative role, but also really understanding what it takes to have smooth operations and, and, and successful operations at the same time. I think I'm really lucky to be in an environment that allows me to straddle both worlds. It's a great experience having been at the corporate level and having operated at that level to be able to now have the luxury of understanding the end-to-end -end functioning of an organization is really important. I think as an industry, we really haven't cracked the nut of how to operate in the multi-unit world. Senior living is such a highly custom, such a highly personal business and what operates at the local level, at the regional level, at the national level what decisions are made where is a really tough, tough nut to crack. Definitely. And it'll be interesting to see how that evolves over time, right? And exactly. I think that's, that's where my, my next question gets to is just talking about where you see the, the growth headed for LaSalle Village in the future. Would love to hear your thoughts there. So in the very, very near term, we have a growth planned, uh, literally. Uh, we are planning an expansion project. We are going to be breaking ground, hopefully this fall. Uh, we're going to be building an additional 42 independent living units and uh, also additional amenities, new dining venue, new community center, etc., to be able to offer our services and our experiences and our lifestyle to more older adults. We're also looking to reframe, update and upgrade our continuum of care. Um, that's something that most CCRCs have struggled with, especially post-pandemic. The sniff world has become really tough. Um, and so we actually made the decision after a great deal of modeling this past year, uh, looking at bear mix, looking at, uh, at the regulations and the reimbursement codes to downsize our SNF, um, continuing to accept uh, patients from the outside, but really focusing on our residents and really investing in more supported living for our residents. The focus being really on continuing to offer residents choice-based uh, aging, aging in place as long as they can and as long as we can safely offer them those services. We're also looking at day programs currently only for our own residents, but really starting to offer more structured educational and learning and engagement experiences for residents that aren't into uh, aren't able to take classes anymore. Um, and in the bigger picture, you know, every month we receive inquiries from higher education institutions from around the world that are really interested in replicating our model. I believe that universities and senior living operators uh, are going to be looking into this more and more. Um, it is a major benefit, not just to the residents, but also to the entire community from an educational perspective, financial perspective, social perspective, and just sort of a healthcare perspective as well. So we are actively looking to see how we can share our model and offer the joy of learning and discovery to more older adults. Yeah, and I think you're, 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 have a proven success track record of, of, of doing so. And with, with this much growth at hand in the short term and, and kind of re really looking at operations and finding out 
what works on the resident wellness and lifestyle side, but also making sure that the operations are in place to support them. Are there any any sort of priorities that you are really guided by when you're thinking about this? Obviously, with the development growth and that construction growth, that's something that um, is is tough to do in in today's today's climate. So, mm-hmm. you want to really talk about about that project and why that was really a, a priority for for growing in the short term. Absolutely. Um, so there's a few different reasons, uh, and the impetus for the project happened before I came on board last spring, but. You know, the biggest uh, desire was to really invest in our continuum of care um, and to be able to upgrade, refresh, and uh, and evolve that, to be able to add more services for our residents. We are probably the smallest uh, uh, CCRC in the Boston area. And so when you think about our operating model and the margins that we're able to have, it's very challenging at our size. Um, so the additional 42 units will ultimately be incredibly accretive to us financially. Um, it's also a chance for us to really evolve the footprint of the village. As I mentioned, we have a wait list right now of over 300 households to be able to offer uh, our, our product to more people, but also to really change the, the, and this is my goal, it's probably one of the biggest challenges we face, not just at LaSalle Village, but in the industry, is to change what the village looks like, to change our diversity footprint, and to really start to attract different households and different uh, demographics so that we can be truly, you know, I think as a, as a group of people that are focused on learning, growing, and engaging, the more diverse we can be, I think the more successful we will be. So I really see this as an opportunity for us to do that. Most definitely. And we just recently, as this week, uh, had looked at the um, Argentum uh, survey on DEI that had come out that essentially said there's still a lot of work that that is left to be done at the at the corporate level to really start making sure that these pushes on diversity actually come to fruition. And it seems like there is some progress, but like like the sur- the survey had found. There's still a lot of work left to be done. So really great to hear that that's a, that's a priority mm-hmm. for LaSalle and to, to really see it put into action. Now, I just want to ask you, uh, uh, on the flip side of the coin, what are some of the challenges to having a university-based senior living community? I'm sure um, there might be some some more unique ways you have to go about seeking approval for, for renovations or just anything in general. I would love to know just what are some of the challenges that you face that other communities might not have to deal with? would love to know. So I think when you're designing a university-based uh, senior living model, it's really important to find the right balance between a more formalized engagement or a more open-ended arrangement. You know, every uh, there's been a lot of activity in the area, and every situation is really unique. In many cases, the model is purely social in nature, and it might be enough to just be co-located together. In our case, what we offer is a very robust educational and engagement model. So that's a little bit more nuanced. You know, we have to think about the competencies we need to build. We need, you know, for instance, we have a dean of education and an entire education department. We have our own course book and our own uh, curriculum. Um, it's really important also when you think about the programming side to have the right framework in place that's going to allow relationships to thrive and provide that structure, but also give them the space to evolve in their own way. It's not a, you know, it's not a one size fits all. So in our case, we really strive to find the right balance between structured and unstructured intergenerational programming. In many cases, we just foster situations and sit back in others who are more prescriptive. So I think, again, finding the, that right balance, do you have an engage, you know, what, do you have, is it an arrangement with the university? Is it a true partnership? Is it a true integration? 
You know, and other challenges are more operational in nature. Senior living and higher education are two really different industries. They have different rhythms, different objectives, different regulations. And so when you start to pair institutions that are so specialized, there's a lot of trade-offs that, that pose challenges. You know, one example for us is we do have a shared services agreement with LaSalle University. So we have to jointly navigate staffing policies, whether it's around university breaks or around remote work schedules, which don't often work in senior living. We also are, you know, we offer healthcare, which is a very different business. It requires 24-hour support. We serve a very different demographic. So when you look at ease of use of technology, when you look at expectations around sort of the student experience, it's very different for undergraduates versus residents. So all of these are challenges. They're, they're just opportunities, I, think, I guess, rather than challenges. But all of these are things you need to think about right. when you're and approaching it, a university-based model. It seems like with, with all of these things at hand, you're really able to, to identify all the areas where there might be some weaknesses and to really kind of use your uniqueness to your advantage to make things work on the operational level. And then also to translate it and tie it back to, like you said, uh, with the undergraduates to really help them kind of come in and be involved as well. So that's really great to hear. And I think that ties into my next question, which is, I know you shared a few anecdotes uh, when we were speaking earlier, but I uh, would love to know just some anecdotal experiences you've had with residents that really exemplify some of the positive impacts that this unique environment can have on residents. Absolutely. Um, you know, we have an incredible group of residents, uh, lots of stories, one great one is last year, we actually conducted an intergenerational module that paired our immigrant residents with international students at the university. Now, our residents felt a really powerful connection to those students because they were facing the same challenges that our residents had faced in their youth coming to this country. And one of the challenges is, you know, feeling a disconnect from an adult support system. So they were able to solve that problem for the students. So that's just a really powerful example of that 360-degree synergy that we were able to offer. But also our residents just gravitated to this and made it their own. You know, um, some stories that always uh, uh, give me goosebumps. We had a resident that was on hospice, but he was very focused on not missing a single day of his literature class. He actually died between two sessions um, wow. of, the, of the class, and he was active right up to, until the last session that he attended. Um, Another resident, she had a fall and she ended up in our skilled nursing facility upstairs. And when I went to visit her, all she could talk about was making sure she got into the right classes for spring registration. So it really keeps them focused. It is something they're not taking classes to pass time. They're excited about classes. They're all fighting to get into. We have certain classes that always fill up and they're fighting to get into. We have one that's that fills up every semester. It's called Bad Supreme Court Decisions. Um, we had a class on AI that was taught by a 92-year-old resident, um, wow. attended by a 101-year-old resident who, when she was asked why she was attending, she said it was very important to keep up on, on this chat GPT thing um, because there's a lot going on in the space. And so we, you know, and, and the TA in the class was, or the assistant teacher was uh, our lifeguard, who's also a student at the university. So again, we, we find all these situations that are being created that are just allowing people to come together and the whole really is greater than the sum of the parts. A um, couple of other examples. Um, we had a resident who was really excited to take a ceramic class, but she was nervous about her mobility restrictions. And afterwards she shared just how marvelous it had been. So the students really made her feel like such a part of the class. They were so happy to help her. 
they helped her lift the heavy clay, move her finished pieces. And they didn't, you know, she didn't feel like she was being condescended to or catered to or pandered to. She didn't just feel like she was part of the class. She was part of the class. And, you know, that's really, you know, that helped that helped her then encourage her neighbors to try this class as well, because we often have residents that are tentative. They feel like they're they're not going to fit in with the university. And then my absolute favorite example, we have a resident who is uh, passionate about innovation. Um, he's actually he's a he's a professor, a retired professor uh, of immunology from the University of Florida, and he has said to me on on occasion that he thought his life was over when he came to LaSalle, and then he realized he was still going to be allowed to play. He really struggles in our dining room because of the ambient noise, as do many of our residents. And he had been doing this research on audiology and ways to uh, to to soundproof. And he'd worked through management and he'd been told no, putting barriers up between uh, between dining tables is a safety hazard. So at 10 p.m. one night, he borrowed a vacuum cleaner from a housekeeper, brought along his neighbors and his uh, rug and a decibel machine, measuring machine and conducted his own little experiment to see how uh, how sound barriers could limit, uh, limit uh, the, the passage of sound. And I was so tickled by this that I actually uh, am in the process of creating an innovation hub where residents can actually apply to be able to try these things out, experiment um, with such ideas so that they can feel like they're actually uh, contributing to the village. Well, that's really exciting. And and I really enjoyed you sharing those. So thank you so much. And I know our listeners will enjoy that as well, because I think it really just shows the firsthand nature of some of the unique experiences that you're able to create in this environment. Do you want to just talk about how you see university-based senior living evolving in the coming years? I know at the beginning of our conversation, you talked about how you see kind of a bifurcation between um, the model. So would love to know just what you see ahead in terms of where university-based senior living is headed in in the, the coming years? I think it's only going to grow. You know, when when conceiving of the village, LaSalle University had anticipated the changing demographics of uh, of college. There's fewer college-age students projected every year. Um, there's, uh, you know, we have fewer high school graduates year after year. And so more small colleges are now seeing the same opportunity. And so I only see the model growing in the future. I think what's going to be really important for organizations approaching this is to identify the framework that they want to use. What is their own special brand of magic? It's not enough to build a senior living community on uh, a university campus. And I think the pitfall is really uh, what's always been the pitfall of senior living is thinking about it as a real estate business. And I think if you just think about it as land and building on land and monetizing an asset, it's really hard to create that magic. Every university is different. The culture in every small town that offers a college campus is different. And so starting to, again, find that right framework that is the right mix of flexible but structured is going to be the key. So I do see this evolving. I see I see big players trying to come into it. I see boutique players continuing to, to thrive, I think, in small cases. You know, if I had my, uh, my crystal ball and I could influence the outcome, I see LaSalle Village starting to be a bigger player in the space and starting to share our our magic and our chemistry with other players. Well, I certainly know at Senior Housing News, we'll be watching right along as as that journey continues. And do you want to, just in, in our my last question here as we wrap up, do you want to talk about what's your outlook for 2024 and where you see the biggest opportunities and challenges when you're thinking about uh, from your position? 
Yeah, I mean, on our side, my goal is really to continue to strengthen our foundation and build this incredible place up even more. We're embarking on a very significant expansion in a difficult climate um, with residents that are very uh, concerned about construction happening in their backyard. So we're going to focus on that. I think I shared that diversity is a big focus for me, not just diversity, but also inclusion. We have diversity in our midst already with our staff. How do we start to bring staff and residents together to celebrate the diversity that we already have? I think that's something that remains an opportunity in senior living. Staff, uh, you know, staff is more than just staffing. Uh, staff is about, you know, we have we have incredible people here with incredible tenure that truly love our residents and love working here. But our staff members are also lifelong learners. They're also passionate about the mission. And so really starting to pull that together. Um, one of our big goals for the year ahead is sustainability. We've brought in uh, both for the university and the village a consultant to help us build a sustainability roadmap. Newton is very focused on sustainability as well. Um, so we are building our new uh, expansion as Passive House, which is a, you know, it's fully electric, a uh, very strong envelope. Um, so we're looking at new ways of construction that are exciting. Um, you know, we want to, we're really proud of what we've built here at LaSalle Village. We have amazing residents who are our best ambassadors. Uh, we have really strong team members. And what we don't want to do is stay still. We want to keep growing and keep learning and keep making mistakes, uh, staying on top of the top trends in education, staying, you know, staying on top of the top trends in technology and uh, continuing to grow. Well, Zara, like we said, I know that everyone at Senior Housing News will be watching as that growth continues. Thank you so much for joining us here on Transform. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed our time together, Austin. That does it for this episode of Transform. I'm Austin Montgomery for Senior Housing News. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.